Trigger warning. This episode contains discussion of sexual trauma and transphobia. So please take this alert as a warning that these topics will be discussed, specifically in the interview segment with Christina. If you'd like to skip past the discussion, it happens at about the 40-minute mark and runs until the hour and 10-minute mark. Jonathan, I have a new life situation that happens to me almost daily. Oh, a situation in life. A life situation. If I leave my son, like I'm at the grocery store. Mm Mm-hmm. And somebody's watching him for me so I can just like actually buy groceries as opposed to struggling with him in a carrier. If I'm alone or in public away from Charlie, my yep. son, yep. and somebody sends me a picture of him and I look at it, my boobs leak. They cry. I'm like, <laughs> my boobs are crying. It is the most awkward sensation ever to suddenly lactate in public and you can't help it. So you're at the grocer. You're shopping for cheese. You're in the dairy Turkey, section. Deli. You're you're in the deli. <laughs> I'm at People the deli. Meats and cheeses. And suddenly someone's like, Hey, I'm watching your son. Look, he's still alive. And Look, it's he just did him. this cute thing. And I see his face. Oh my god, I'm thinking about him now and it's starting to happen. <laughs> and it just is it's like sweat. It's like nipple sweat. That's milk oh, that can be eaten by a baby. It feels so weird. And that milk is so I'm come to understand. Is worth a lot on the dark web. Liquid gold. Yeah, you could go on the the dark code or the no, it silk road. No, there's just websites where you can donate breast milk. Oh, I think there's also like, we'll pay 50 bucks for an ounce of breast milk. Gotta be the real deal. Yeah, some people pay lots of money for breast milk. Uh, yeah. I don't make... And you're just making it casually I don't at the a, deli. I don't make as much as I wish I did, but... but well, you I don't just, ever do anything as much as oh you wish you God, did. You want to do it all. When I think about them, it, it's so awkward. Do we need to get you special cans to put on your nipples at all times? <laughs> to catch the liquid gold? I put... The, oh, people yeah. do that. All the time. I don't know about that. What if we got you like an Iron Man suit of breast milk? We could call you <laughs> the milkmaid. We could call you uh, Sweet Milkies. And then Is people... that a good superhero <laughs> name, Sweet Milkies? Do you think that's going to be a, oh a hit God. for the MCU? Well, people just show me pictures of my son, and then I'll just be like, oh, there's another ounce. Yeah. I don't uh, know. You could power the world. It just needs to be I harnessed wish I could. in your super suit. Milk suits. I'm Milk Suits McGee. (laughs) (laughs) People are not used to a mom just being like, and then just milk is coming out of my tits. You know, like, you didn't say tits. You were much more classy. I probably should have, but it feels uninteresting to me. But Um, it's part of my daily life. There's a lot of people who are like, I can't believe that stuff is real. Unfathomable to think. And fetishes about that stuff, too. Oh, sure. There's always fetishes. We could talk about anything. We could talk about curtain rods. We could talk about dirt. We could talk about doilies. And people would be masturbating furiously. Doilies. Lacy doilies. (laughs) Lacy doily milk suits is my name. (laughs) (laughs) LDMS is that. Maybe that's more your rap collective. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yo, I'm Lace, I'm Doyle, I'm Milk, and I'm Suits. You're loving it. <laughs> I can't help it. I just can't help it. I just want.
Welcome everyone to another episode of Talking to Women About Video Games. I'm Jonathan. I'm Tanya. And we are going to talk about video games to each other. And I'm also going to talk to women that aren't Tanya. Christina right. and Melissa. Fantastic guests we got this week. And the theme that I'm cobbling together as I talk about it now is how do you stay true to your core while still expanding, while still growing, doing new things. My mom used to tell me there's two kinds of people in this world. There's apples and onions. So apples, if you peel away all the surface layers to them, you'll eventually get to a core, usually a crunchy one, hard core with seeds you can plant. And it'll grow into something new. What happens when you peel away an onion? Oh, there's more onion. Until? There's nothing. Right. There's no center. There's no core. There's no real essence of a, of a thing. It's just a series of layers, surface level layers. And when you are an onion, you can just strap some more layers on there, not worry about it, whether it is a relative and reflective of the core. When you're an apple, life's a little bit harder. And we've got some real good apples on the show today. I think we're first going to kick it over to Melissa, who is going to talk to us about how do you stay true to the core of a video game when you're adapting it to a movie? And I go on a tear on this one about Whoa. the friggin' Legend of Zelda. Surprise, mm. surprise. I know. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you like my ideas. Let's find out with Melissa. So I'm here with Melissa, otherwise known as Mel, who on Zoom, I wish you could all see it. She looks like she just won the case like a successful lawyer, <laughs> uh, but also is like a little bit sassy and ready for drinks, but not too many drinks because she's also super <laughs> responsible, like almost like someone who would hang out with She-Hulk, the lawyer. Uh, have you seen that <laughs> She-Hulk show? Melissa, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do. I, thank you for the, the intro. I have not seen it, but I do love the concept. And mm. I like the idea of comic strips coming into more of like a like normal life, quote unquote. So I like the concept. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Yeah, I, I wonder what you'll think about it. It was definitely designed for women who want to playfully engage with feminism but not in a way that feels too close to home and it was weird to me that it yeah. came out uh and did okay but got middling reviews mostly because of the special effects but be because of the writing to some degree and then barbie came out and did the same thing a few months later and made like a billion dollars so like people definitely want to talk about feminism in a way that is playful that uh, engages with brands engages with nostalgia but isn't avoiding the truth that yeah. like well women get treated pretty poorly sometimes uh th this is what i plan to talk to you about at all actually but because you look so much like someone who would know she hulk <laughs> this is where we've gone together in this surprise no, conversation i i agree what i was thinking too jonathan is that we both are interested and obsessed with mediums that are subjective and artistic but at the same time there's billions of dollars behind them mm. and so the challenges become how do you represent something that is going on in the social narrative like 
more of a feminist slash, you know, hashtag me too approach, but without alienating a huge chunk of your audience too, because Mm. unfortunately there are men who feel threatened by that, or there are uh, women as well. It becomes like an interesting fine line about how far studios have taken this topic, but without risking that alienation. And there's some that have just continued through it. I think the Barbie adaptation is quite interesting how far they've taken it. Mm -hmm. But then you also saw there was a big backlash. So, Oh, yeah. I'd almost forgotten when it first came out, as I mm -hmm. recall, certain pundits saw it opening night and said, I'm so mad and we need to boycott it and destroy it. And now they all have egg on their face because it was by far the most popular movie of the Oh, yeah. And it... And deservedly so. I was very skeptical uh, when it first was announced as a project, but watching the movie and just seeing how original it actually is, how they portray both topics of femininity and masculinity and Mm. using Barbie as a brand to also just make a great fun movie. I believe it was really well done, but yeah, you're right. They do. They absolutely have egg on their face of, of it was a massive success. And it's interesting that it that was a massive success, but then, yeah, you're right, She-Hulk wasn't. There probably are larger forces at play there. Maybe mm. She-Hulk wasn't, or Hulk itself wasn't as popular of a topic or brand that may be a factor into it. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I could talk about that for a while, and I want to, and I also want to make <laughs> sure the listeners get what they signed up for, which is us talking about video games to some degree, but I think I have... As you were speaking and I was as I was listening, I think I crafted an actual segue. So Barbie is about taking the Barbie brand we all know, but not trying to convince you that Barbie is a real person. Because when people Mm -hmm. bought the Barbie toys, they weren't thinking, I'm buying a toy that knows it's a toy. They bought Barbie toys and think, well, Barbie is like a person I could meet in real life. And I'm going to pretend with these toys that it's real life. But the movie is a meta commentary about the brand, about the toys, about buying these toys, about these toys existing outside of reality and then integrating with reality, which you're never going to guess where I'm going with this. I don't think I'm wondering if they will do the same thing with the Legend of Zelda movie. Yes. It's a video it's a good, game, so we're yeah. on top of that. And, and it's something you, uh, I think, we're going to look into a little bit before we talk. Have you I have was. any thoughts on this Zelda movie idea? So it's a great question. You know, and it was interesting as I was, I was thinking through this topic of basically game to screen. And what was the first one to do it? And we all know the Super Mario Brothers from 1993. Some mm. love it, some hate it. I actually think it's actually surprisingly held up pretty well. But the, the Legend of Zelda movie is, you know, nostalgia is such a powerful topic. I think it's from an audience perspective, we we gobble up more nostalgic topics because it is a little bit easier to consume. I think even for me, someone who really, really appreciates original content, I even fall back on nostalgic things that just they're easier. You know what to expect. Mm. Maybe you don't want to consume something so esoteric or heavy. And so I think the nostalgic projects do really well because of that. It's a little bit easier. And I don't say that in a bad sense. I just say that in a consumption sense. And I see why studios veer more towards it, right? There's already an audience. There's Mm -hmm. already going to be money there. But the Legend of Zelda movie, um, you know, how they adapt it is a big question mark. If you look through other game to screen movies, 
You know, I, I go back to the Super Mario Brothers movie because the way it was adapted was not at all how it was adapted very recently, right? Mm -hmm. um, the recent version was very bubbly and fun and, you know, obviously animated. And so I think for audience that maybe that did better than the original one in 1993, because I think the animation aspect of it, maybe that was easier to consume mm -hmm. from a game that is quote unquote animated into a movie that's animated, or maybe just enough time has passed where we appreciate the Super Mario timeline a little bit more. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. The original movie though, wh what I was thinking about was how they adapted it. You know, it's obviously live movie. It's not an animation and it's very gritty. The directors took it to a place that's that's a little bit darker than what you probably expect out of the video game. Mm -hmm. They did that intentionally. I, I remember reading about you know what their thoughts were about how to to adapt this, and they thought it was a great opportunity to turn it into something gritty and more artistic and more interesting. And I'm not sure if you knew this, Jonathan. I just discovered this last week. I can't believe it was hidden from me. Oh, but yeah. Bob Hoskins at the time didn't know it was a video game. I didn't know if you knew that. There's a fantastic, <laughs> yes. Are you thinking of the interview where he talks about- Yes. Um, yeah, please tell oh, us he about played <laughs> Well, there's a great, you guys can find it online. It's fantastic. I can't believe I just saw it this last week where he was basically asked, it was an old interview that was brought back onto into the internet. <laughs> and he, he didn't know it was a game. His kids told him that it was a game. And he came back and he sort of paused and in the interview. He looked so deflated and he responded at the very end. He goes, I used to play King Lear. <laughs> There's something, you know, and I don't, have you seen, have you seen the movie since? Have you revisited Super Mario Brothers at all? The original movie? I have. I don't think I've sat through it in one go. I could talk about it yeah. for a long time. I'm going to try to edit my <laughs> thoughts quickly. But it was, if I remember correctly, directed by a creative duo. They might have yes. even been married. I, I'm blanking on those details. It's being re-released before I get into this. There, It has a huge cult following. Uh, hugely yes. passionate anyway. I don't know how huge in numbers. And they're re-releasing it in 4K with like 18 hours of bonus footage or something. They Amazing. they talked to the original directors and found stuff on the cutting room floor, not being released by the studio, somehow being legally released by fans. I don't know how that's happening, but they've wow. been working for years. So there's a lot to dig into and a lot we'll be able to discover about this incredibly weird movie if we want to. But it was the creators of Max Hedrum who That's right. had fascination with technology, had fascination with the crossover between technological fantasy and reality. And that's, for those who don't know, Max Hedrum was like a AI TV personality who did Pepsi commercials and then ended up <laughs> with his own like post-apocalyptic techno nightmare TV show for a very brief amount of time. So they, people thought- these were wild. They were so wild. And, and surrealism- was way more accepted on mainstream TV yes. back then. And then, you know, Twin Peaks as well. So the the directors were sort of Lynchian, sort of bizarre, but they had a sense of humor. They had the capacity to 
find mainstream success with Max Hedrome. So they thought maybe they'll find it with other virtual characters like Mario and Luigi. And they cast Bob Hoskins and John, John Leguizamo. John yeah. Leguizamo. Neither of them Italian. And, <laughs> and uh, to, like, hey, are you doing like the, the gruff uh, Brooklyn plumber stereotype? They end up fighting Dennis Hopper, who is Koopa. They they yeah. dance with a a, a beautiful, uh, buxom uh, African American woman named Big Bertha <laughs> for a time. They've got <laughs> flamethrowers, like it's just completely oh. a, a fever dream of a movie. And as you said, with the technology at the time to try to adapt something as surreal and and abstract as the Super Mario Brothers game into a live action movie and somehow convince people that it's real impossible but the zelda movie will be live action so uh, a lot of yes. people have different thoughts about how that'll go i have a I have a unique thought but i don't want to talk anymore do you have any thoughts do you see them going yeah. for a straight out adaptation like the more recent mario movie did or do you see them going for something off the beaten path like the original live action mario movie I have a sense they'll go off the beaten path. And I, I laugh. I was thinking about this this morning. I wonder if anybody attached from an actor perspective with the Zelda movie is aware that it's a game. Mm. I just hope that there's a situation where somebody obscure from an acting perspective joins. And then years later, they're like, I didn't even know it was a video game. I never played it. You know, I, I would just, I would love for that to happen. You know, I do think that there will be more safe approaches to this because of we now have 30 years of experience and we being as if I'm part of the studio, but 30 years of experience actually doing game to screen adaptations. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of learning from that. I do think that they'll approach it from maybe creating something a little bit more original and unique, but maintaining a lot of the original nostalgia that Zelda requires this is a very precious franchise from a video game perspective. And it's very, very, I think they'll approach it cautiously. Mm -hmm. And Barbie, you know, it's funny, we talked about Barbie. Barbie weirdly does come to mind of this, where it is a concept that is very, very unique. And there is a lot of nostalgia there, but they've taken it into a place that was original, they approached it very originally and creatively and in a unique perspective. So I hope that I I hope that the the studios will do something creative with this, make it a little bit more original, but not not overcapitalize on it, I guess mm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, I we've I seen do. that so many so yeah. many times. Yeah. It's um, got to be genuine and it's got to be creative yes. or else they'll think oh they're just Absolutely. retelling the story of the games in order to cash in on our affection for them unless you bring something that shows spark that shows excitement to do something new to the table people will stay home like with the barbie movie That's right if they had just done a straight up her name is barbie her boyfriend is ken and nothing meta contextual that movie would have you know at best that's right broken even but because they brought this risk taking to it to a degree while showing the love for the source material they did well here's my pitch for how they'll do it with zelda and i'll be brief mm -hmm. if i can the zelda games you play as link and link is supposed to be your link between the fantasy world and the real world 
So Link never speaks. I think he says one line in Zelda 2, but it's not a spoken line. That's a game without voice acting. So he says like, mm -hmm. I'm so happy or Zelda is saved or something like that. Other than that, he doesn't talk. He talks to other people, but you never hear him speak because the idea is you're supposed to imagine that whatever Link is saying uh, is, is huh. you. So you are living vicariously through Link. You're inhabiting his body and whoever he speaks to, you in your mind imagine what he's probably saying and therefore those words came from you. And you see the parallels between Barbie. Barbie is also sort of a non-entity that we are supposed to instill with our own thoughts and feelings and pretend we're her. I think with the Zelda movie, it being live action, it's possible that it will take place in the real world that it will be real people, not Link, not Zelda and all that, but someone will enter Neverending Story style or yeah. Page Master or Cool World. Like there's tons of movies that have done this. Page Master. You remember that one with the- uh, Absolutely, it was awesome. What an I underrated know. movie. I know, Fantastic. great animation too. What Once Absolutely. they go to the world of fantasy. So I, I could see them potentially doing that where someone becomes Link Jumanji, I guess, is maybe the more obvious example yeah. that was super successful. The most recent Rock, The Rock and Jack Black Jumanji, I think, made a billion dollars, too. To have that be the premise, instead of it just being a straight-up retelling of a story from the game, which would be fine, but is there any chance for that to be, you know, better than Game of Thrones at what it does, or better Lord of the Rings? I'm not so sure. I don't think people yeah. want that same story again. I think they want something that identifies, we know that this is a video game. We know that you have a relationship with it. We're going to talk about that relationship while also doing things with the the material you want to just see on a big screen, which I don't think, I don't know about doing the, the scenes in Hyrule, if that's the way they go, yeah. with live action. Like, I don't. Can I ever look at a man wearing the green hat and holding a sword and be like, that man yeah. is the same Link that I loved uh, on, on the video game screen? It's not him. It's some guy cosplaying. Like, it's very hard for me to, it just as the original live To make that Mario. mental adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it felt that way Bob Hoskins. I love Bob Hoskins as Mario. I never see Mario. I see Bob Hoskins begrudgingly right. thinking. King Lear. Should have been King Lear again. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's all I see. And I see the same thing with Link, certainly. So I don't know. That's my pitch. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. The biggest challenge with The Legend of Zelda is there is an enormous global fan base. Mm -hmm. They don't want to disappoint that. And there's a lot of people, as you sort of described, that have their own experiences with the game over decades. I mean, this is not... Uh, this isn't a brand new game that just came out. This, mm -hmm. you know, I can see like a GTA doing a movie, and we're all just like, okay. But this is Legend <laughs> of Zelda. Like this is this is an, a, a very unique story too, mm -hmm. and it was at the time, as you know, a very unique game, mm -hmm. which created such a great fan base. And so I think it's an enormous challenge for the studios to make this into something great, but then preserve the original idea of it, but also adapting it in a way where audience can still relate to it. Like you just mm -hmm. described, everybody in their head has their own image of what Zelda is, is going to be, is going to look like, is going to approach, you know? And so how do you translate that? It'll be very interesting to see. I think personally, him being a silent protagonist, mm -hmm. there 
they're very likely going to continue. I mean, I think they have to, right? I think there would be massive protests if they didn't. But you know, it's so hard to say. They, right? There was protests when Chris Pratt was cast as Mario it's in the true. movie. And then people just shut up and and loved it. And one of the things I've talked about this before. And it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. And Chris Pratt almost seemed to identify that I'm occasionally going to do a Mario impression. Like he very much felt like another fan of Mario who got to pretend to be Mario at times. Like he did the traditional woohoo and let's go like a couple of times. Uh, Mario. (laughs) Yeah. And when he did that, I felt like. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> you see, you could have been Mario. I'm really good. <laughs> it's not too I'm, late. It's what I'm. I'm really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll call the studios. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about stuff. I wanted to talk about. I feel badly. I wanted to ask you if there's any games you would like to see adapted as movies, or oh maybe other way around, yeah. or movies as games, because they're doing that with Robocop oh, yeah. Terminator all the time too. So yeah, any any stuff you would like Screen to see? Screen the games. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I would love, okay, so I was a huge fan of Final Fantasy. I stopped playing video games because I'm, I get really obsessive and, um, you know, I got to work. So I, I could literally just do it all day. <laughs> mm. Final Fantasy, I think, could be enormously interesting. But obviously, the, the biggest challenge is that every Final Fantasy is a different storyline. Mm-hmm. But some of them are very, very beautiful and some of them are more popular than the other Final Fantasies. That's the number one one that comes to mind mm-hmm. but it's interesting actually something just popped in my mind too about the the game to screen adaptations i didn't see it i at least i haven't seen it yet but i thought the tetris movie was enormously interesting mm. which it wasn't an adaptation so to speak but it was a story about the creation of tetris mm-hmm. so it makes me also wonder too because barbie you know we talk it's so funny we're talking about Barbie so much. Barbie also did that a little bit too, where they brought in Ruth, where they talked a little bit about the creation of Barbie. So it was enormously meta, which mm-hmm. made it fun. But that's also challenging because do you talk about the creation of this product? Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I think Tetris, I, I do want to see it. It looks very interesting. But I think that that it is technically a game to screen movie, you could argue. Mm-hmm. But it isn't about inside the game. It is about the creation of the game, yeah. which is also a huge story in itself. Oh, absolutely. I haven't seen the movie either. My understanding is they added car chases and like uh, the the Russians coming after people. <laughs> and like they embellished to a degree where it got a yeah. little silly. But I had read the comic of the story of the creation of Tetris by a fella named Box Brown. And it was really compelling and managed to tie in the idea that playing Tetris is about fitting all these random pieces together as they come at you. And the way the game was made also involved pieces you never could have seen coming all coming together and if it weren't for all those pieces coming together tetris would have just stayed an obscure uh, floppy disk only inside the communist russia side project made by uh, a guy who otherwise was just working on like ai and stuff like that he mm. made tetris just for fun with no profit motive whatsoever and it was only because it spread around got the attention of people in both the united states and japan did it end up becoming what it is today, which is 
one of the biggest games of all time, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, if you do see the movie, I'd love to hear what you think of it. And yeah. I, I'm thinking, do you have a favorite? What's one of your top 10 favorite movies? And I'm just going to playfully, if oh I my can, goodness. before we wrap, I want to know if it would work as a game. <laughs> you know, um, oh my God, I've got... You know, my, my top 10, I, um, I'll i answer your question in a minute, but whenever I get this this question, I it's think of one. like Christopher Nolan, when they asked him his top 10, oh, he yeah. had some crazy obscure ones in there. Like, I think one on one of them, it was like Anchorman. And you're like, Christopher <laughs> Nolan, top 10 is Anchorman, which I mean, so my top 10 is all over the place. Mm. Um, you know, I definitely like something is amazing and obvious is back to the future but something mm. more esoteric like toy on which is a pretty obscure movie if you've never seen it i recommend oh, no. it but i've never heard of it what is it yeah it's called toy it's a hoppy indian word and they made a series um philip glass very famously composed the music for it it's spelled crazy it's spelled with a k it's k-o-y-a-a Mm. Uh, N-I-S-Q-A-T-S-I Koyaneskatsi you could find it it's awesome it's not quite a movie per se but it is a kind of a moment in time it was very unique for the time answer your question um, I oh, I I think one of my top 10 that would be the best to adapt and I would I think it would be really fun is Tremors do you remember oh, Tremors? oh yeah there's so many people I, that would want to make that too that is a I, beloved I, be, yeah yes and that could translate from screen to game really well, you know, to have uh, the graboids chase mm. around Earl and like, I, like I, I see a whole, the town's destructing and they're on these adventures are hopping from rock to rock. Like that could be its own, oh, you yeah. know, there's a big antagonist and the boss could be the biggest uh, graboid at the end, Stumpy. So I think <laughs> that could adapt really well. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I can imagine it as both like a simple 2D platformer in the 80s style that would be exactly. relatively low budget to make that kind of ties into the 80s nostalgia. It would also work as like a traditional 3D survival horror game where you could do variations on the graboids. You could. All that stuff. You could even work yeah, as like a, a simple Facebook. First person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it could also be like a just... Oh, the Graboids, you know, the Facebook, there's games that are almost like SimCity where you're like uh, yes. waiting for your timer to build and you build another house and like uh, yes. they're often tower defense, but with some like uh, light sim building or city building yes. it. could work as one of those. What a fantastic idea. I want to see Final Fantasy 3 called Final Fantasy yes. 6 in Japan adapted for a long form TV series. That would be incredible. That and I want to see brilliant. Tremors as a game. How can we do it? How can we, how can Jonathan make it happen? <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> I'll do my best. Studio executives. Let me call them. There's make at it least, happen. There's two people at least in the industry who listen to this show. And I'm sure they've already pitched all these ideas. Uh, one of them I'm thinking of definitely would want to make both of those ideas immediately, but you never know. Uh, this is how surprises happen. Like I was saying, the creator of Tetris, he never imagined this side project floppy disk he made would end up spreading around and making them incredible. millions on millions. Maybe we just changed the world like the creator of Tetris did by thinking Tremors should be a, <laughs> an 80s video game. Who knows? 
Who knows, Mel? It we'll would be such see. a good one. It would it be would. so fun. It would. All it right. Would. Well, I um, will be patiently waiting for it. Let's make it happen. Me too. Uh, anything you want to close on before we wrap up this uh, fun conversation? I oh, it's great talking to you. Thank you for having me on the show. I would. I, the only thing I would say is maybe challenge you in the audience when we're talking about Legend of Zelda mm. is, you know, ask yourself what would make a Legend of Zelda movie good, and mm. what does that mean for you? And then maybe not look at it so pretentious, mm. but there are there's so many game to screen movies that have actually adapted very very well mm-hmm. so i'm really hoping that legend of zelda will fall into that category i think that it will i'm hopeful but you know what what's how does it get there what is it actually gonna take for mm-hmm. it to be good That's i don't right. know open-ended open-ended question for you in the audience well, fantastic couldn't be better thanks so much mel it was great talking to you awesome to talk to you too jonathan thank you for having me today Fantastic to talk to Melissa, and we didn't even get to the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. We didn't even get to Sonic the Hedgehog movie in any detail. We didn't get to Detective Pikachu. There was so much more we could have talked about to assess whether adapting a game for a movie works. Detective Pikachu, I was just watching it literally an hour ago, because yesterday my son Ryan said, I want to watch Detective Pikachu out of nowhere and was just obsessed with it. So I ran out to Target, bought it for $5, worth every penny. I don't know if you've seen it, Tanya. Detective Pikachu, it adapts the Pokemon concept while pushing back against it. The lead character is a grown-up who loved Pokemon as a kid, but now he feels like he's grown out of it. And now he's like, well, I'll learn to love it again because it's a way to bond with my dad. Hmm. which is what so many people are doing with Pokemon these days. He, however, doesn't want to catch them. Not at all. He doesn't want to catch them all. He doesn't even want to catch one of them, which really goes against the core concept of Pokemon. And, ugh, the Pokemon are so realistic in it. It's... Uncomfortable? It's disgusting. They are... (laughs) You don't like it. They're vile and fascinating, but not in a a crowd-pleasing way. You'd look at this movie and think, this is like a trauma movie. This is like a high-budget yucky slimy disgusting trauma movie but it was a relative mainstream hit detective pikachu what are what are your thoughts any interest in that now that you mention it yes oh because you said it's realistic and you know i like real things and you know that i like things that make you feel bad Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so if they're gross and weird and not right then they're for me then you might like it Pokemon is something you did not grow up playing, but I have the sense you have some relationship with Pokemon. What do you think? What's the point of Pokemon for you? When is it most fun for you? Well, what happened with me and Pokemon was I I never got it. I thought I was kid stuff. When did Pokemon come out, Jonathan? 96. 96. So I was 15 by then and already thinking about 
how I was going to sneak off to the city and be with my much older boyfriend. Mm, goth music. Yeah, getting my fake ID going. Wanting to grow up. Just wanting to be that teen grown-up goth, just mm. driving my Buick. Anyways, <laughs> I was not thinking Pokemon was cool. No. But, you know, my ex-husband and I, and I'll tell you, there were some redeeming things about that relationship. You say that, but then every time you say that, you then say, he liked pancakes and I liked pancakes. I'm like, this is not, it wasn't, you find the things, I hate to pick on you and your relationship. I think it's very sweet that you try to find the good in it, but I'll let you know as someone who's known you for a few years now, every time you try to find a redeeming quality, it's just a completely neutral quality. Yeah, like the fact that we like to play Pokemon Go together. <laughs> it's something millions of people have liked to do. And it's not usually something that speaks to a strong, genuine bond between well, the two people. Well, you know what? I think the reason why we probably bonded over Pokemon Go was because it was an activity we could do together that didn't necessarily mean we had to actually like be connected with each other right you look you both looked at your phones and we're like "Ooh, look at that pokemon and do you remember any of the pokemon no even one oh there was a little ghosty guy oh yeah and it was hard to find but i knew that it was at the amc lowe's in the nearby town <laughs> what color was he a little pinky whitey little pinky whitey <laughs> oh wow i wonder which I one think that was litwick no, I don't think they did. I don't did. know. There was like a little ghosty one. I never played much Pokemon Go. I don't know. They stuck with Listeners, Generation 1. if you one. know what I'm talking about. The ghosts in Generation 1 are, are Ghastly Haunter and Gengar. Ghastly Haunter, I think it was. Ghastly and Haunter are two different guys, but that's okay. Let's call them Ghastly Haunter. <laughs> Let's call them, uh, I'm you so know. bad at this. I'm it's, so bad at this video games podcast. It's a delight. I'm enjoying it. So for you, it was out about getting out into the real world. Yeah. And finding Pokemon. And I was loving the fact that I would go to this area. There was like a little fountain right at the AMC Lowe's near the Starbucks, the Bed Bath & Beyond, and the Old Navy. And everybody would commune around this fountain, and I knew what they were doing. Mm. I was going there, too. Yeah. But it was fun because you could really discover them. And it felt like a little bit like Stranger Things to me, except fun because it was Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like there was an alternate world behind the veil of your phone. That's right. That's how video games often feel to people is you get to be transported to an alternate world. But you liked what they call augmented reality experience of playing in the space between the two worlds. Yeah. You liked the fact that you looked around and you saw the real world, and then you looked at your phone and then saw was like, Ghastly what? Haunter. What? Yeah. <laughs> Stop making fun. Oh, it's just, I wish it was named, first name Ghastly, last name Haunter. It would be like, what would, it, what would that be like? It's like if there was uh, Adele Madonna or, or Cher Prince. Cher Prince. What if we could fuse them? What if they evolved into each other? I made a show called Teenage Pokemon forever ago. My son suddenly wants to make it again, except have the teenagers fight the adults. Because I think he just wants to destroy me <laughs> and destroy all adults. So it's his, his fantasy to think about teenage Pokemon versus adult Pokemon. We'll see if that ever happens. But, but yeah, I uh, used to imbibe in Pokemon quite a bit. And it's something that has, in my opinion, walked the line between... Real, intense, incredible artwork 
and mainstream friendly our video game as product, I guess you could say. So it's uh, to me, it's like high art and low art at the same time. Hmm. And uh, I think a lot of the high art, low art combos are the things that stick around for a long time. Another one being Minecraft, which started off as a, a little passion project in indie game that didn't seem to have any potential mainstream success. And now it's one of the biggest games in the world, if not the biggest game in the world. And for our next guest, we have a woman who's currently working on Minecraft and has artwork that will appear, my understanding, is in Minecraft as part of the tutorial for teaching people how to play Minecraft. It's uh, Christina Castpixel on Twitter, and I can't wait to talk to her. Me too. Christina's on. Christina's on. Christina's on. She's on in Greece. Hi, it's so great to see you. Uh, you are in Greece, from Greece. I am from Greece and in Greece. Right, and Greece is a place of not the musical. <laughs> not the musical, though. I, you are lyrical and effervescent, bubbling with feeling like a musical. Though, if there were a musical about you, you would be a mythical goddess floating in the sky creating worlds out of little squares that's how i see you we were talking earlier before i hit record about height and i i i feel like you uh, it's hard to believe you're real i've seen your art for so long and we've talked a few times we've chatted online of course but that it's still hard to imagine you being a real person to me because you create such ethereal magical places with your artwork you're so good at the art you've been doing it for so long you're so good thank you thank you i've been doing it for so long i don't know if i'm any good yet what? Um... how could you be better you've worked on space jam minecraft mm. multiple mm. uh fan arts of steven universe uh thundercats mm. go uh jumanji also one one like also almost like uh an official uh Steven Universe. That's right. It almost happened, didn't it? Yeah. And hopefully it's still good. Um, that IP is still around. Um, and... It doesn't speak to how good I am or or aren't, but uh, Cave Story also uh, yeah. almost happened. That's right. Um, what else? Super Meat Boy. Like um, the projects that don't happen like in indie circles. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's hit or miss always, but it's so nice to be asked. <laughs> yeah uh we won't talk too much about it but uh, unless you want to but right now you're on the mm -hmm. cusp of uh, the end of a contract with mojang is that right and you've been working on minecraft yeah and they also call it mojang because they're sweets and they know how it's pronounced but they also <laughs> call it mojang oh is that right okay i wasn't sure how yeah. officially wrong i was so no you're fine <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Uh, yeah, I've been working on Minecraft for uh, a year. Wow. And the most recent thing I think I've seen that you've done for it was tutorial art to teach kids from the start how to get in there. Because when you first play Minecraft, it is completely foreign and completely bizarre. And you've made it inviting, warm, almost storybookish, maintaining the style of Minecraft, 
though with 2D art, which was a, a really yeah. tricky process, I imagine. Uh, how does it feel to have been a part of the biggest game, I think, in the world? Is that what it is? It is. We are. Like, it's millions of new user users every week. Wow. That's, I cannot even wrap my head around it. It feels good. Like, it feels good that they asked me. Um, I didn't even have to beg. Like, they needed a pixel artist real bad. Um, it's been real good. I, I wouldn't even, like, technically, I didn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's, uh, like, some issues with um, Swedish law. And uh, you can't stay remote for more than uh, 18 months. Oh. And then uh, you have to uh, be off for 18 months before they can rehire you for another 18 months. So it's the 18-month rule. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't want to relocate to Sweden. I, I have a life here. I have two mm. girlfriends here. And I don't know. Friends? <laughs> sort of a life when I'm not working. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, one of the things I've always loved about talking to you is we will talk about artwork and games and you will say, that's all well and good. However, like there's real stuff going on in my life that's actually important. Like your priority on human beings and feelings and human rights sometimes, the 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 way people are treated comes before career, comes before uh, the artwork. And Without that, I don't know how great your artwork would be. Uh, you know, it might still be technically fantastic, but one of the things I love about your work is that there's always a human vulnerability to it. I don't think you would ever want to make art that I've seen anyway that doesn't somehow make the rock even look a little bit soft and vulnerable. Like you add a, a humanity to everything you do, which is very hard to do with a bunch of squares, I, I find anyway. So it adds up that you would choose your life in Greece over maintaining with Mojang. Uh, Mojang. Mojang? Mojang. <laughs> Mojang. And, and it sounds like if you could come back in 18 months, you probably would. I don't... Maybe. Maybe. I yeah, like the... a good project. Like, I, I cannot stand still. Mm. I hate standing still. But also, yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm about, like social justice and stuff i don't know how good i am at it like alone but i'm always like in 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 groups and in solidarity and in you know um how do we call them like collectives mm. all the time together we make some sort of, i don't know yeah i don't know if it's a bubble but we I, we feel like we're doing something and also like i'm a trans woman and i um i'm very traumatized it seems like i was recently diagnosed like I was yesterday diagnosed with uh, CPTSD, which is complex PTSD, which I always thought, like, I have some sort of trauma from being trans, you know, mm. like, who doesn't? But mm -hmm. apparently, uh, like, I was raped at 11, and I thought that was some trauma you can, you know, mm. the heavy stuff. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Oh, that's um, okay. I'm working on it and stuff. And then I found out, like, uh, growing up as a trans woman who, uh, like, my parents and the society didn't understand and didn't like they, they they wanted to suppress me and didn't like accept my gender even which is a very basic thing for a human to to have accepted so mm. like that was also apparently um trauma like developmental trauma and i carry that as well so like 
recently, I only found out recently because like the human, the human interest factor, right? Uh, like I'm a, I, I am one of the best pixel artists in the world today. Mm-hmm. Fine. But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a person, right? And yeah. I am, um, I'm dating a girl and uh, she's amazing. Vivian, she's a, she's a um, fantastic programmer, uh, a rendering engineer, actually. She works at a AAA uh, corporate job like mm-hmm. I do. We got into BDSM, like she was into BDSM, and I, I tried some BDSM, like some dumb submissions, some of the light stuff that like everyone enjoys. I don't know, queers enjoy it. Mm. I'm queer, I've always known about it. And I find out I cannot do it. I, I break down crying. So mm. I've been looking for four months. Why the hell am I crying when someone tells me, sweet girl, could you like knee, go on your knees or whatever? Mm-hmm. Which I thought I had conquered or I could mm-hmm. do, but apparently not. So yeah, um, queers, traumatized. Like Palestine right now, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, you're getting banned, like you're getting shadow banned of Twitter and, and Facebook and, and stuff for uh, for being pro-Palestine, for being um, against the genocide. Yeah. Um, trans women on 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 white trans women on on twitter being racist why mm-hmm. is is it something like is it some sort of trial we need in 223 um yeah, yeah. no <laughs> this, year, this year is completely bizarre so much is coming to light that was always there that was always bad but it's come to a head things that were i think suppressed are bubbling to the surface and the ugliness has come out in such a big big way it's hard to not be depressed most days i i find and have the weight of the truth of how bad things are and how bad people can be to people is it's been immensely heavy and in the midst of that also now job search and wondering have you found a way to fit into the games industry and be your genuine self while also being able to have money come in and and have your work be seen and be appreciated? And now complex PTSD, it's just unbelievable amount, stack upon stack upon stack of things to process and work through. Uh, I mean, I find all of those things just need money thrown at it and i don't have money to throw at it but um i have like i have friends in the support network and we've i've been building it for like as long as i like when i left home at uh 20 Mm. we only have each other i I guess Mm -hmm. and it's it's not that bad so yeah i i can fit in uh like games especially indie games i'm well known and stuff Corporate uh, jobs, hmm, like not so much. Like even at Minecraft, I'm gonna say this: it's not a leap. It's not a. It's not a weird thing. Like everyone you know is transphobic. Like on some level, we we all grew up uh, in this society. But at one point, I was um, we were asking like innocent questions uh, during a meeting, like a work meeting, to know each other better. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to ask like uh, a silly question, like. Which kind of uh, Minecraft block would you be if you were a Minecraft block? Because that tells me nothing about the other person, right? Yeah. 
So I said, I'm going to ask something political. And I said, sure. I was like, would you date a trans person? And I'll, I'll, I'll start. Like, I'm dating a trans woman right now, just to break the ice. Who wants mm-hmm. to go next? And everyone was giving, like, non-committal answers, like, maybe, I don't think so. Like, uh, I was mm-hmm. assuming, like, eh, if it's possible, if, if they look extremely good and have had all the, the surgery and stuff. I was like, this is the kind of, of uh, response I expect like a stranger on the street to give not people i've been working with for a, a year mm-hmm. and they always talk about their own relationships like be it you know straight or, or gay but always cis never chance um and like uh, one person said i don't want to answer that question she's like uh would you uh, uh, do you identify as a nazi i don't want to answer that question um it's what <laughs> it's suspect right Wow, um, someone said they didn't want to answer the question if they... Yeah, and another person said, like, definitely not a trans person. No, not even if I like. And I was like, what the fuck? And um, I told the internal, like, women and marginalized genders team uh, group that, uh, like, on, on, on work Slack. And they are very sympathetic. But um, the thing I was thinking, and it's really, really funny, is uh, during our internal, like, survey uh, of you know well-being and feelings and stuff are are you doing it more young mm-hmm. and all all corporate has it right they like on that month i i rated transphobia like really high because mm-hmm. i felt it was like i felt really really less of a person like unwelcome who doesn't when you're when you're in a group that people feel comfortable saying i'm not gonna date anyone from your group I didn't mm-hmm. want to date anyone at work, but uh, I, I would never date anyone who's black. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a dehumanizing proposition, right? Yeah. Uh, I would date anyone who's trans. I, I don't see you as fully a person. So, like, I rated uh, transphobia really high on that one. And uh, when I go, like, in a month, uh, transphobia will be really, really, really low again. Hmm. Uh, for the company and that's a paradox because transphobia will remain the same it just no one's there to to observe it i don't know it's like greek philosophy or something ah. um so at without you there to point it out to to say the rest of you can't see it because you're so in it you're so in a state where trans folks are othered there'll be no one to to let them know that yeah you're othering trans people Correct. And there's another, at least one other trans person uh, that I know and love there. Uh, they're not a trans woman, uh, but they, they're they also not on my team. So uh, as far as my team is concerned, I'm the only trans woman there. They're the only trans person there. And um, it's it's kind of uh, weird, like um, giving out surveys that like let white people like me um, rate the company on uh, racism. Mm. What do I know about anti-Black racism? I've never gotten it. Um, what do uh, cis people know about trans, uh, anti-trans sentiment? Like, I can tell when someone is uh, trans misogynistic um, by just their handshake when I meet them. Because, really? Yeah, because I, I'm not clockable. Like, I, I pass. I hate those terms, but... I passed as a cis woman, as a whatever. I passed as a woman. Mm. And uh, when someone knows beforehand that I'm trans and they give me their hand, 
uh, they squeeze so hard. And I don't know, don't know if it's unconscious or uh, they want to show dominance or whatever, but I I always know, like after a while, they I, I can tell. Mm -hmm. So if I can tell from a handshake and uh, I don't know, um, my my black trans women friends can tell from uh, the memes like someone uses online uh, that someone's racist uh, as mm -hmm. well as transphobic or whatever. Then how are like people who are who are never in that position? How can they tell? How can they respond on a survey and uh, and um, make up the profile of uh, a corporate like work work environment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, uh, one of the many challenges of trying to integrate into a place where the culture was created by those in power. And Mo Zhang, Mo Yang, <laughs> I don't know a lot about the company, but I know that they are a million billion dollar company at this rate. So exactly. the 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 chances of marginalized folks ending up at the top of that ladder are pretty slim for the very reasons why there are inequalities to speak about. The, the game is stacked in the favor of those who are already in charge. And that's, that's not marginalized groups. That's not trans folks. That's not black folks. Uh, the list goes on. So uh, what I wonder about, because I think about your career just yeah. about every day, I lock on to Twitter and I say, what's Christina doing? And a lot of Come promoting on. your art. Well, I do. I'm so excited to see what will happen next. So hopeful, but also worried because what I see as your struggle from the outside as a, as a fan and someone who cares about you as a person, I see, like you said, one of the best pixel artists in the world. And also one of the least corporate, <laughs> least business focused, least political in the sense that you don't play the political game. You are not a moderate. You are not looking to uh, all lives matter the situation. You are just like, I'm going to be my genuine self. I only live once. I'm going to go out there and, and, and be me, unfiltered, unapologetic. And I also want to get a job. And why should those two things be at odds, but I, as you know better than me, they certainly are. So I'm always wondering, is Christina going to go full indie, start a collective of artists of like mind and create work that is uncompromising and unified in its vision? Or is she going to, you know, make the next Mario game? Like either could happen. Nintendo could hire you tomorrow to make a, a pixel art Mario game, or you could end up making like the ultimate complex ptsd trans mm -hmm. greek woman uh multiplayer rpg or something and it would make millions as well you you could go any direction and and i i wonder is your compass pointing you in any particular direction or are you just taking it day by day to figure out what feels right and go forward i'm taking it day by day but not because i don't know what feels right Mm. Um, like even in the corporate position, I can do like good work. Like, uh, as you can imagine, like Moyang Kai is best of the best. So all of my colleagues are like lovely people and also at the, the at the top of their game, right? Uh it, it's very, very nice to work with people who are your speed um or better. 
the reason I'm taking it uh, day by day is because I'm still paying the trans tax. Mm. What is mm -hmm. the trans tax? The trans tax is uh, when you have to start very late uh, in your career, when people like when I was 25, nobody would hire me because I had the wrong uh, legal doc documentation. And they mm. saw like a woman, but my, my paper said I'm a man and uh, I couldn't get that changed. Uh, like for seven years until I got uh, like the requirement here was to to get surgery, like to get bottom surgery. And I didn't like I didn't want to have a dick. I'm fine with people having dicks. I they're lovely things and trans women having dicks are so hot. Uh, but uh, I didn't want mine. Uh, so it, it was like it coincided with me wanting to to do bottom surgery. But what if I didn't? And if I didn't, I couldn't have changed my legal gender. Uh, at the time in 2007 when I did um so like I was unemployable I, I I worked like for a phone sex company and um I was really good but I didn't I didn't do men but then men was all that was on offer like only men call so mm -hmm. I became real good at phone sex with this straight man um I was like mm, I'm uh, I'm Natalie uh, I'm not wearing anything right now other than my uh, like my panties. And what would you like to do today? And like, that's fine, but that's not a career in art as I envisioned it. I, I was struggling at the time, uh, doing art every day, but uh, working for a phone sex company. And then like before that, working construction. And, uh, you know, it was a weird, weird uh, sort of a career. Uh, when uh, other people that age are like interns at least or you know juniors uh, in AAA so yeah you pay the trans tax and like um, black trans people pay the black trans tax and mm -hmm. all of that um, so I don't have enough money to even think about like I don't have enough money to buy a house like ever in the foreseeable future um I don't have money to start my own studio. I don't have money to, um, you know, make my own games like the way I want them. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, I wouldn't crunch. I wouldn't do that to myself. Like, I work 10 hours a day. I wouldn't, like, spend the rest of my day also working, like, on a, you know, um, a passion project. Because then I would be on the on the computer, like, all day. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that. I want to live a little. I've been denied like life outside. No kidding. I mm -hmm. I would play a game that was just your life <laughs> illustrated by you. Do you, you want to be me? Okay. I I, me. <laughs> I want to live life alongside you. I want to hear your story as told by you in a game. I think that that is the kind of game that would not only hopefully bring in enough money for a house, but stand the test of time and end up being played hundreds of years from now as a way of understanding who makes games, how games are made, and what games can do as a medium. But if I were you, I would also be like, do I want to make myself that vulnerable both financially and emotionally on Kickstarter mm -hmm. or something and hope that it, you know, because <laughs> you got to start somewhere uh, in terms of getting the funding. 
I've been talking to a friend of mine who works for a billion dollar venture capitalist firm. And I asked them, oh, how about uh, you throw Christina a million dollars? That might be good. Uh, I didn't tell you I, I did that. Uh, but I asked about a lot of great developers I know, just wondering. And they said, the way this venture capitalist firm works is they find out if you are also a hardcore capitalist, if you want to win the game of money making and destroy the competition, mm -hmm. it's a like a, a, a financially violent mentality. They want you to mm -hmm. go to war and make sure your product is the winner and everyone else is the loser because there's only so, so much money to go around. And it doesn't matter how bad your idea is, as long as you're like, have a, a, a again, financially violent attitude. They might give you millions of dollars, but if you show up and say, I just want to be free, I want to be happy, I want to make art, I want to have creative freedom, and I want to see what works, no matter how great your artwork is, apparently, they will they will shut you down. So it is very hard mm -hmm. with the capitalists. I, I feel like the only way to win is to somehow avoid capitalism. How do you make money mm -hmm. and do that? I don't i fight <laughs> capitalism i'm an anarchist um like capitalism is, is the reason like we don't have free time and the reason like uh social injustice keeps happening yeah capitalism is a bad system mm -hmm. oh my god i never like i i work in capitalism i i i even work triple a but i cannot like justify um uh, becoming a capitalist ever how does that even happen i would mm -hmm. have to uh uh unexist like capitalism doesn't care if trans women exist but capitalism cares that trans women are not uh disrupting anything and mm -hmm. um that means i would have to be twice as uh, malleable as as uh, a cis person to fit in and i don't want to be even even as malleable as as the next like corporate I don't know, monkey. It's so ironic because capitalists don't want people to be malleable. They want them to be hard and capitalist. Uh, and your determination to stay yourself and to not transform into something that somebody else wants you to be will make you succeed. I'm sure of that. It's just oh. a matter of how many times do you have to roll the dice to get there? And I wish it was zero i wish th there was no gamble and you just got the things that you should have given to you now i need to get rich so i can give you money that's the new plan how am i going to do that i i'm not <laughs> that good at stuff i i keep thinking like i keep thinking i want to get rich to to help like so many uh disenfranchised and and you know frankly like like poor people uh, in yeah. my life and they're they're not disenfranchised and poor because uh, they don't work hard or they're not talented. They're, uh, it's it's because of the other stuff like they're trans, they're queer, they're uh, um, they're uh, immigrants, they're uh, refugees. I, I yeah I work in groups and I I see I see us like lots of Palestinians come mm -hmm. uh, through Greece, uh, lots of Syrians and um, unique challenges to everyone like. Uh, black people who are Greek, who were born here like three generations ago, and they're like, go back to Africa. I, I'm not from Africa. Like, I don't know. I guess some of us are from Africa. Like, 
from way back, but he's not from Africa, like my friend Lucas. What the fuck? Yeah. And um, he's as Greek as I am, but he's he's thought of as a foreigner in his own country. Mm-hmm. So uh, like he pays the, the 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 black tax definitely, and I would like I I keep fantasizing about making a lot of dough and uh, employing him or uh, being in a company together or or doing like weird collective stuff together without thinking about income. I don't know. I, I know that's a utopic and it's never going to happen, but I keep um, striving for it. Yeah. That makes sense. I, It's inspiring, so inspiring to talk to you and I feel pain and I feel hope and I feel fear and I feel excitement. You, you transmit all the feelings the the full spectrum of emotions in a in a brief conversation the the zoom that's call. not good <laughs> that that means i'm traumatized and you're also traumatized and you're empathetic and you can receive the feelings that's yeah. not good for either of us well i think it is good to connect with you i i don't think i know it is good to it's not good that you've suffered trauma a lot of people will say well, post-traumatic growth is the only way to gain true strength and be a fantastic artist. Uh, I see that point, but that's too black and white. The The fact of the matter is trauma is damage and it's better to not be damaged. It just is. So, right. But we are damaged, you and I. Uh, most people are to some degree. And better for us to have each other than to be damaged alone. So I'm so glad I got to talk to you and I always am. I only have three minutes left on the Zoom call because I don't have enough money to afford professional Zoom. Exactly. So, so is there anything we should close on? I want to make sure people follow you on the struggling platform formerly known as Twitter and see oh your artwork. God. And I want uh... them to pay attention to you and hire you. I, I, I'm going to ask so many people to hire you after we finish talking uh thank you jonathan because there's artists there's people like you who would get it and they have money because they didn't have to pay the trans tax they've got trauma they've got pain so they could relate and understand but they had advantages so they ended up with their millions their indie dollar millions no it's also like luck it's also like what about the six thousand plus um uh game employees that were just laid off fired yeah. Like I, I'm not. I don't see this as a zero sum game. I'm not competing against those people. I want every one of them to find a job. Yeah. And uh, I just want to pay rent as well. I don't want to not pay rent. But... Of course. <sighs> I'm Cast Pixel on Twitter. Uh, uh, I don't know X. I will never call it X. But um, <laughs> I hate Elon Musk. I hate capitalism. I hate like uh, tech bros yes. so much. <laughs> what better note to go out on uh yeah I'm yeah gonna... it's gonna be a real popular uh edition of uh the podcast <laughs> i'm sure of it i'm gonna stop the recording so we can say goodbye to each other without recording thanks so sure. much christina bye everyone thank you jonathan for having me christina i've been thinking about how you are a magical So Christina, amazing artist, overqualified for some jobs, though she doesn't seem to think she would turn jobs away because she's one of the best pixel artists in the world. 
I really hope people get it together and hire her immediately because it's such a waste of talent and a waste of money and a waste of success to not hire Christina. She's amazing. Someone who was sought out for a video game job, Molly Moon, who we talked about episodes ago, I think maybe six months ago. I was going to say, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. She finally, working with Air Dorf, I believe his name is, he makes a video games Faith. He makes like a creepy 2D horror games. Teamed up with her and made a game you can play. Wow. Yeah, it's called Excuse Me, Sir. And I was so excited to check it out because I love, uh, for those who don't know, Molly Moon makes short TikTok videos that look like a point-and-click game from mm, the 90s, maybe, where it's real pictures of her digitized, and she'll be like, Excuse me, sir. Do you want to go see what's inside my couch? The thing about Molly Moon's games or these videos of fake games is you never knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew the premise was she's sexy, she seems doe-eyed and innocent and vulnerable, but then she turns the tables and... Something always bad happens. To the player. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like, who's being kind of gross and weird in the first place? So feels like a fun revenge on guys who might be like sex pests or... Uh, even predator types. She becomes a predator. The old victim, victimizer, protector triangle, she turns the tables and is not the victim and is in fact the victimizer. Except one time I think she gets rescued by like a weird magical book. Like that was the fun thing about the videos is you never knew exactly what you were going to get. The game doesn't do that. The game is sadly, it feels like when you spontaneously did a joke or told a story or made up a story. Suddenly, you're just improv and you're just hanging out with your friends how you were earlier. You were making up a, a sudden new rap group about milk suits and doilies and all sorts of stuff. If in a week later, I was like, say that exact thing and make it funnier though, you'd be like, uh, you had to be there. It was, it was a moment. Hmm. The chemistry was there. My synapses were firing. I was in the flow state. I was creating a new idea in the moment. You can't, like, sit me in a cubicle and be like, be funny, make the ideas. I mean, your son Ryan would say that to you. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. And I try to get in the right state, but he often says it's not as funny this time. <laughs> He's disappointed. <laughs> like and this game, excuse me, sir, feels like that. It feels like they tried to recreate the feeling of the videos, but lost the spark along the way. The core feeling was gone. Molly invites you to her place. She's still, like, alluring and doe-eyed and creepy. But then you find out there's, like, a satanic cult in her basement and then a satanic cult member who's not a human being who's made out of video game graphics, like, talks a lot. Hmm. And every time she kills you, it's essentially the same way. She just finds you in her face in a pretty cool graphic scene, morphs into a monster face, and it looks like she eats you. But she does the same face morph every time she kills you. So the spontaneity, the surprise, the unpredictability, the turning things on their head kind of is lost. And it's just sort of a... It feels like a game made by someone who liked Molly Moon videos who didn't actually understand them. Hmm. And Molly Moon was involved with the design of this game. So she wasn't just a, a face for it and, a, and an actress for it. But there's a lot of other people involved. And I hope if they continue this game, what they have out now is just a demo. 
I hope they get back to the level of variety, almost like WarioWare level of surprise weirdness in our old videos. And don't worry so much about telling a narrative that makes sense about the satanic cult in the basement talking and like explaining how Molly has evil powers. Just make it completely unglued. Yeah, make it bananas. Yeah, that's what people want. Bananas. People, people like her TikToks. They, they like love her, her TikToks. TikToks. Yeah, this yeah. game, uh, and I'm they, not alone. And there's people tons saying, of other games that do exactly that. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to play it safe with this one. You need to push it and get even weirder if possible. If you think about it, playing it safe would be doing what she does on TikTok. Just doing the same thing. Just doing the same thing. Yeah. It, that's what worked. That's what got her there. Yeah, that's what the game is, except less weird. So that's my review, I suppose, of, uh, excuse me, sir, demo. I have hopes. I still love the creative team behind it. I love the concept of the game. I think it could be really fun and funny. But they've got to decide to go back to the drawing board and force themselves to take some real creative risks and get weird. Well, if anybody knows Molly Moon, let her know about us and we'll get her on the show. Yeah, sure. She's more than invited on the show. She's probably thinking, I don't want to be on that show. But... Uh, she, she could come on this show. She could come on this show, you yeah. decided. 15, 20 minutes, Molly. Yeah, enjoy it, fun. Molly. Enjoy it. So that was our show. What a fun show. I love our show. I love our listeners. Everything's good. Everything's great. I got laid <laughs> off. I was going to say, is yeah, it? Yeah, I got laid off. So I'm pretty stressed out. I don't really know what to do next exactly. I've, I called like four lawyers today, but it's Sunday, so none of them called back. I need help trying to make sure I get severance and ugh. So it's a real struggle. I'm a little out of sorts because of it, but I'm hanging in there. Thinking about just maybe becoming a therapeutic life coach? You'd be great at it. Just need to make a website. I'm not gonna go through insurance. I'm just gonna be like, Pay wanna, me. Yeah, pay me $50. I'll talk to you for 90 minutes. We'll figure it out. You've pushed me to do things I'm uncomfortable with. Now I have a hit song. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I really know people well. I was a therapist for a long time. I worked in a locked psychiatric hospital with people really feeling their worst for, geez, nine years. I know CBT, I know DBT. I, know how to use the he empowerment knows XYZ. triangle. XYZ. I know ecstasy. Uh, not the drug, the band. Oh, jeez. It's got me in big trouble. Uh, yeah, I know things. Maybe I'll do that. Who knows? I'll figure out my life. Uh, just want to You're, be productive I, and helpful. I really believe in you. Thank you. I believe in you too. I was on another podcast where I just talked in your room. I don't think you even knew I was doing it. I just recorded a podcast about Zach McCracken. For the Fun and Games podcast, you can Google that. It's their side quests, side show, where it's about a half hour where guests just come on and talk to themselves about a video game they love. Other people script it. I just started talking and then a half hour later it was over, so. And you were like, wait, is that time? Oh, I could have Do I have on. any more time? It's not as organized as I would have liked, but it is hopefully good enough for people to enjoy, especially if you are interested in the 80s, interested in the Commodore 64, interested in LucasArts games, and interested in why this game, Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, really stood out to me. What else am I working on? Ooh, Console Chronicles, that only has a week to go. I'm working with Dan Edelman, who helped create WiiWare, and also was there for the creation of Xbox Live Arcade. 
for an article for this book called The Console Chronicles on lostincult.uk. It is a big old book and things are looking good. I also wrote about Animal Crossing in there. I told the same story that I told in one of our comics for our patrons about playing Animal Crossing with a girl 20 years ago or so. So yeah, hopefully that'll go to print. I haven't gotten the green light on that for sure, but I've submitted my draft and it'll probably get out there. Uh, working on Nintendo Force, working on Destructoid as always. I think that's about it for me. And plugs, anything you want to plug or talk about, Tanya? Not really. I'm going to hopefully take a poll class sometime in December. Oh, fun. Wish me luck. <laughs> it's a big deal. So Tanya, for those of you who don't know, she's pregnant with child for nine months. And ten she's, months. Ten months, that's right. You pushed it to month ten. And after you have a child, depending on how it goes, and for Tanya, it was not exactly easy. Uh, it takes a while to recover. So for Tanya to be willing to get back on a pole and spin around, maybe go upside down a little bit. I'm so excited. It's a big deal to reclaim her, her bod. She's getting her body back and we're so excited for her. Cheer her on everyone and thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash TTWAV. And you can follow us on Blue Sky at ttwav.bsky.social. Thanks for listening. We could talk about doilies. People would be masturbating furiously. Ugh, doilies. Lacy doilies. Like <laughs> I want to put lace on. on. Yeah, yeah. Lacy doily milk suits is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Lacy doily milk suits. Lacy doily milk suits. Lacy doily doilies milk suits. Yeah. Lacy doily doilies milk. People would be masturbating furiously. Lacy. Doily. Uh, doilies. Milk. Suits. Yeah. Lacy. Doily. Uh, doilies. Milk. People would be masturbating furiously. Lacy. Doily. Uh, doilies. Milk. Suits. Yeah. Lacy. Doily. Uh, doilies. Milk. People would be masturbating. Lacy, doily, uh, doilies, milk, suits, yeah, lacy, doily, milk. People would be masturbating furiously. <laughs>